Hey, I'm Kay He. Welcome to Forward Thinking, a podcast about recreating your career, brought to you by Quartz and supported by J.P. Morgan Chase. It felt like there was a force beyond you <laughs> propelling you. Yeah. Like literally like there was a hand at my back pushing me. And I was like, this is out of my hands here. I, I don't know what's going on. I'm being propelled out the door. I can't do anything about it. That was Manoush Zomorodi, who left public radio to start her own media company. I'm joined today by Kevin Delaney, editor-in-chief and co-founder of Quartz. Kay, that was pretty dramatic there, this idea of a force pushing you out the door. Was that your experience when you left Wall Street? I absolutely felt that force. In fact, I, I kind of describe it, the feeling of having a pebble in your shoe, where as you're walking, you just kind of always know that something's a little bit off. And I couldn't stop thinking about what was the next thing that I was going to do. I had this great job with income and benefits, yet that force for me was so strong that I was willing to give it all up just to discover what lay on the other side. I quit with no plan. So like Manoush, I was pushed to something so strongly that I didn't even feel like I needed to have something set up, but I just knew that I had to do something different. So I went on this journalistic investigation of what happens in the brain when you get bored, and it turns out amazing things happen in the brain. And so what I did was I called out to my listeners, like, would you be interested in joining a week-long kind of weirdo experiment where we try to get bored more by rethinking our tech habits? And 20,000 people signed up. And we had this amazing experience. And I wrote a book about it. And it just changed my relationship with my listeners. It changed my concept of what journalism could be. Off of that, you Mm. a book, TED Talk. yeah. You and your friend are producing this hit show on one of the top yeah. podcast studios in the country. Yeah. It's all good. Yeah, it's all good. <laughs> w- where'd the itch come from? Oh, you mean the jumping part? Yeah. Well, it was like a the perfect storm and that I never would have predicted. Okay. I mean, I think the first straw was the Me Too stuff that yeah. happened in November 2017. I was on book tour. No inkling of no. starting your own company. Oh, hell no. Being an entrepreneur. No. No? No. Nothing? No. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I was on book tour. I was psyched, you know? What are we going to do next sort of thing? I was thinking about the next project I want to do. I was tired also. Like, okay. I was traveling a ton, and that's hard, as you know, with little kids. And, and then the Me Too stuff hit, and I, to be clear, it was not as though... I had a particular sexual harassment uh, incident or assault or anything like that. To me, it was more, uh, and actually we talk about this on the podcast, about this very thing that sort of manifested, I think, for some women in that it wasn't tied to a specific incidence, but it was more an understanding of the lack of information and control that they have had in terms of having the ability to make their own editorial choices or access to information regarding revenue, owning their own intellectual property. Until I started my company, I realized that I didn't own a single photo that had been taken of me. That is very symbolic to me. Like, you know what I mean? Um, And it sort of became this thing like, wow, how would my life be different if I was in charge? Mm -hmm. So I think 
what you start to see is the way that people react to a specific incident in a media organization is they fire the person and they think that the problem is fixed. But the question is, how did they get to a point where they thought they could act like that in the first place? That they thought that they had the authority or that there wouldn't be any repercussions or that they thought so little of their female colleagues mm. that they would treat them that way to begin with. Yeah. And all these excuses or acceptance of the way things were suddenly dropped mm -hmm. in that month. And I hear this from women all the time. They went back and cataloged all these incidents yeah. and they're like, oh, that was messed up when yeah. that happened. Why didn't I think it was messed mm -hmm. up? Why did I think that was okay? Or he's just a jerk mm. or that's fine, yeah. whatever. I just have to work harder. But is starting a female owned, founded company, is that the way to combat that? I'll tell you, for me, that brings me to the two other okay. things that happened, right? One was that a philanthropist reached out and said, I think you should be bigger. I think your message is important and you're not getting a big enough platform. And then the third thing happened, which was uh, Cambridge Analytica. Okay. And that's the Facebook data scandal. Yes, exactly. I had been covering that for quite some time. I had contributed my data to a lawsuit. Like I was in on that, okay. like really into that story. And when that became mainstream... It made me, I don't know, this sounds crazy to say out loud, but it made me have confidence. I was like, I was right. Like, mm. I, my instincts, they're actually right sometimes. Yeah. And it's embarrassing to say that it took to be in my mid-40s to accept that. But that's where the it goes back to the business part, okay. right? Where you think, man, if I'd just been listening to my instincts all along, what could the possibilities be? Yeah, It makes you start to think like, you know, like, oh, my God, there are wings on my back. <laughs> I didn't know they were there. Yeah. Fly, little bird, you know? <laughs> yeah. Okay, is there ever a perfect time to leave a high-profile job? I think that quitting a high-profile job is a lot like having a kid. There's never a perfect moment, and you just kind of go with the flow when it happens. When Manoush quit her job as the host of Note to Self, she had a few things, a trifecta of things that had come together. But as she left, she still was in the process and is in the process of determining what her new company, Stable Genius, will actually look like. I've heard that this is very common. Yeah. You must know better than I do. But anecdotally, my understanding is that you start to put a foot in the, the new place, mm -hmm. whether it's a business or a job. Side project. Side project, whatever it is. But you're not, you're mm -hmm. not quite ready. But I also still love my show. Yeah. Like, why would I say goodbye to something I love so desperately? So maybe I could do both. Okay. But that's my MO. It's yeah. always been my MO. I'm like, I'll just do it all. What's doing both consist of? What did it consist of? It didn't. I didn't get to that point. <laughs> oh. But I thought I could. I okay. was like, nobody has to lose here. We yeah. can all make everything and just spread the message. Why didn't it work? Well, I think it was, I can't remember who it was said to me. They're like, if you're really going to do this, like really going to do this, there's only so many hours in the day no. and you're going to want to give it your absolute laser focus mm. you need to decide and i think that person even said like there's that moment where you know if you have two like a foot on mm -hmm. one stone and another foot on the other stone and you're going to jump 
transfer your weight all mm-hmm. the way to the other stone. There's a moment where you're not standing on anything. Yeah. And it's scary. So I I think, it, you know, I was scared. Yeah. It was really scary. And I also felt, you know, I'm so grateful to all the support that I've gotten at WNYC and felt, you know, nobody wants to let an organization down to whom they feel grateful. Mm. But at the same time, that's where the Me Too stuff comes in where yeah. you're like, I, I got to loyal, Your loyalty was... Uh, I got to do this. Yeah. And also, the other thing that I felt that I've heard is common too, I want to hear if you think it's common, mm-hmm. uh, is that it felt like there was a force beyond you <laughs> propelling you. Yeah. Like literally, like there was a hand at my back pushing me. And mm. I was like, I, I, I'm, this is out of my hands here. Yeah. I, I don't know what's going on. I'm being propelled out the door. I can't do anything about it. Tell us about the day you actually quit. It was snowing and it was April, which is weird. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I, I went in to, to explain and I felt very sad, but it is what it is, right? There's kind of not much more to be said if the decision has yeah. been made. And then I left and it was time to get to work. First business decision you guys made as a team. I don't know if this was a smart decision or not, but we went to mediation was the first thing we did. What do you mean by that? Um, well, it, w- the reason why I am able to be, to really put myself into the work as I do is because I know she has my back. Okay. And this was a renegotiating of our relationship, going from host uh, managing editor, which was my job at yeah. Note to Self, and she was my executive producer, to co-founders. And that's a profound shift. And that's like a lawyer? You go to a lawyer? No, it was like there are these women who do this thing where they sit down with entrepreneurs and like it's like therapy. And what what came out of that? A very long recording that (laughs) we have. I think, well, part of it was an under, like at first I, we weren't sure about whether we would split the business 50-50. Got it. So this includes economics. We had kind of, she had said, like, no, I want to do this only for 50 50. And so I was like, "Mm, I don't know. But I think for two newbies who've never had a partner, like financial partner also, there was a lot of education that needed to happen that there are various ways you can structure a company or how you take profits out of a company. Or uh, we just didn't know all that stuff. So that was like crash course. Yeah. So right now we're just kind of, working it out you know yeah but uh, in the long run i do not know what that will look like a month from now things could be different yeah and a year from now things will definitely be different the business model question i think that's something that's probably pretty common you have the something you feel you want to do in this case they had some funding and then maybe that didn't follow through and then they're trying a different model and it really feels like a big part of this is having some faith that you can figure it out and there's this misconception that once you quit, there's a perfectly written business plan with fully matching financial projections, and then you push a button and then you just execute upon it. And Manoush and Jen talk about how it is a messy, iterative process that is in part driven by your own desires and strengths, but also what the market and customers are willing to receive. And so for me, that started with writing, not knowing exactly what the business was going to be, but from that, a bunch of new doors and potential quote-unquote business models opened themselves up to me. 
it's intense. Yeah. Like it's super intense. It is a we are texting each other all day long. And it's it's also not just professional, right? Like I think if you work together at an organization, you can draw sort of lines, you go home at the end of the day. And that is just not the case when you have a business together. Where do you feel that seep in the lack of separation of church and state? Mm, you mean like between like life between and life work? Between life and work, yeah. Well, right now there is no separation. <laughs> we are waking at work. Like I will run out the door at four to do camp pickup, get dinner on the table, tuck the kids in, and then get back on, you know, yeah. whatever. Like we are cobbling it all together. Mm. It was with the Gimlet founders that I think they said there's four things. Yeah. Right? Family, <laughs> friends, sleep, and business. Mm -hmm. And in the first couple of years, you, you get two. Yeah. My boot camp instructor texted me, you forgot fitness, which oh, I thought yeah. was really funny. I was like, actually, that's really important. Yeah. Oh, you wow. know, That's really important. Companies won, obviously. Sure. I haven't had friends in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, like, I mean, I'm very close to my siblings yeah. and like, my husband and Jen and then I'm sorry other people like I kind of I don't know yeah so what else don't I have well you know what they say a mom with a professional career is more efficient than anyone else out there so I will I mean then that's where the downtime part also yeah. doesn't get in right because it's always what about you how do you do it with a lot of uh, self-loathing. Yes. Oh, I have some of that. Yep. <laughs> I, I time myself on stuff. So it's yeah. like responding to email. Yeah. Like I could respond to email for two hours. Yes. And I, I just say, I'm going to go for 30 minutes. Yep. And whatever is unfinished will just roll to it the next day. It is what it is. So I kind of set these, like, I try to set these boundaries. I've also chosen to set up a business that is much more of a lifestyle business. Well, so that's an interesting <laughs> conversation that we yeah. also had with the Gimlet guys. Okay. And I think we're at that, in the next year, that's going to have to be a decision. Do we go for the lifestyle business, which... For our listeners, let's lay out the options, right? Yes. There's, there's VC-backed business. Which we documented in Chapter 3 that we will not be taking as of now. Okay. There's, Burn that bridge. Yeah. There's lifestyle slash self-funded mm. business. Yep, yep. And there's there's probably like consulting ish yes. that brings in more revenue right. that, that would fall into mm -hmm. that. Well, more like work for hire. Yeah, of, work right? for hire. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what's the thinking around these options? Well, what we've done is we've kind of cobbled it together. When the funding went away from the philanthropist, a new funder came on board, which is this startup called Civil. We also run ads. In addition to that, we have listener donations, which is amazing. I know. It's amazing. It's so amazing. Cool. And we, so the question is, do we lean into that? We have a lot of companies contacting us right now wanting to do projects with us. Um, but, well, we have an added factor, which it has to align with the values that we're trying to espouse mm. as part of the company, which is ethical technology, that there's a baseline of who we will work for and who we won't. So, and so you have those options in front of you how do you and jen decide and what timeline do you give yourselves to decide on you really are asking that we need <laughs> she should we you need to be our next mediator <laughs> um honestly we haven't that we can't yeah we can't because we're living it in real time we're documenting this in real time and so the minute one episode is done i'm like what's happening in our lives to go in the next episode yeah so it's been a very sort of zen exercise in journalism, oddly. Mm. 
what's your Does that sound insane? <laughs> no, I mean, look, as a, someone who's Might be who's an entrepreneur, I, I I totally empathize. There's that point when you're you're trying to figure out how to place a rail in WordPress, and you're like, I should be thinking about oh the company's God. future. That happened to me last night. Yeah, that happens to me all the time. <laughs> These I call I call them WordPress wormholes. Oh, oh my God! Can I just say <laughs> you? just saw me and i feel so much better for it i thought i was like the lone loser being like why won't this tag make it show up in the episodes category oh my god wordpress wormholes so you quit your job and the next day you have freedom right yes you no longer need an alarm you can go to the gym in the middle of the day But I've learned from myself as an entrepreneur and others that freedom can be overrated in the sense that you are free from others telling you what to do. You are free from a calendar and a fixed schedule, and you're free from accountability. But that comes with a tremendous trade-off. People actually like being told what to do, and they crave structure and don't want to do things all by themselves all the time. So those were some of the lessons I learned about freedom as an entrepreneur. And coming up next, you'll hear another entrepreneur's take on the lessons and learnings that she took away during her entrepreneurial journey. Thanks to J.P. Morgan Chase for supporting Forward Thinking, a show that highlights people who've challenged the status quo to recreate their careers. Last week, we heard from Melissa Butler. She left a comfortable job in finance to focus on The Lip Bar, her company that uses makeup to reinvent the definition of beauty. Today, thanks in part to a small business loan from J.P. Morgan Chase's Entrepreneurs of Color Fund, her lipsticks are in hundreds of stores across the country. And that success that Melissa received with the help of this fund has meant freedom for her. Now, it's not freedom in in the sense of I own my time because I certainly spend more time working on and in my startup than I did on Wall Street. But I feel free in a way that I understand what I'm doing and, and I have a really strong purpose behind what I'm doing. Yes, as an entrepreneur, on the surface, you have more freedom. But with that freedom comes a tremendous amount of responsibility. For me, I have much more flexibility with how I spend my time, but I never get to take a true mental break from my work. Melissa experienced something similar. When you are an entrepreneur, when you're when you're the leader of an organization, especially a small organization, again, you have to understand that things are going to go wrong. And so when they go wrong, you have to be extremely solution-oriented. And sometimes you don't have a ton of time to digest everything that's happening, and you need to make a decision. That transition from corporate life to entrepreneurship isn't always easy. When I left my job, I found that the ability to quickly solve complicated problems in the corporate world translated well into entrepreneurship. For Melissa, working in finance taught her a lot about how to be a team player. Just because I finish with my work at maybe 6.30 p.m. and I have a, a coworker in the corner kind of struggling didn't mean that I was able to go home at 6.30. So it really taught me this lesson of, of ownership, but not only within my role, like within the organization, within, within my team. So that was most fulfilling, understanding that what I was doing had an immediate impact not only on my team, but on, on the company. Thank you to JP Morgan Chase for supporting Forward Thinking. 
In the next episode, we talk to Melissa about all the help she's gotten along the way. When I first started the Lit Bar, I did not have any mentors. I could have saved a lot of time. I could have saved a lot of money learning from other people's mistakes. Over the next five years, J.P. Morgan Chase is committing $150 million to its global Small Business Forward program to support women, minority, and veteran-owned small businesses. By connecting entrepreneurs to capital, targeted assistance, and support networks, the firm is creating local, inclusive economic growth. If you have a small business and would like to learn more about programs J.P. Morgan Chase is supporting in the community, please visit jpmorganchase.com slash smallbusinessforward. What are the longer-term things that you wish you were thinking about right now? Well, right now, the the standard I'm setting for myself is, are you still having fun? Hmm. Can you both pay the bills? Mm-hmm. And are you learning something? Okay. If I can check those boxes, and sorry, last one, one more box I want to add. <laughs> Do you feel fulfilled intellectually and creatively? Yeah. Are you making the creative thing that you feel like, like you feel mm, good very about? Very much it? relate to all those yes. things. Yes. So if those boxes are getting ticked, mm. I mean, that's pretty good. That's a good yeah. life, right? Mm-hmm. Right there. So then it's like, okay, so go further. Then what? I think doing the switch from becoming being just a journalist and and living in my sort of protected air conditioned world versus kind of being out there and getting my hands dirty yep. and how we can possibly uh, find solutions um, to some of these problems, specifically journalism right now, the business models that don't work. That was a profound switch. To, again, it relates to the Me Too movement. Yep. I think from thinking of yourself as an observer to being a person who is capable of helping, who even could possibly help in finding the solutions. Mm-hmm. So I feel like we're at an amazing moment where if I can help technologists make something that actually does improve people's lives a little bit more than make them, you know, some of the bad stuff go yeah. away because I flag it for them in some way, mm. that would be incredibly satisfying. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to do that. What lessons would you give to other women that are trying to do what you what you and Jen have done or are doing? I don't want to say that it's harder than I thought because that's such a cliche, but it is harder than I thought. So given that it is harder than you thought, mm-hmm. would you have done it knowing what you know today? Again, it was that hand on my back that was propelling me out the door. I don't think there was a choice. Yeah. So here we are. Yeah. And like, am I learning? Yes. Am I feeling creatively satisfied? Hell yes. Am I making it work financially for now? Yes. Yeah. This has been wonderful. Oh my God, for I me love too. the podcast. Oh, thanks. I'm just so excited to see where you guys take it. Manoush is a really interesting example, too, of someone who has been activated in some ways by the Me Too and the societal dynamic around that to really be proactive, to feel that she should be starting her own company. So much about entrepreneurship is the ultimate decision. And what we heard from Manoush is that you can know that the odds are in your favor, but you'll never know with certainty how it's gonna play out. So there's one part, a leap of faith, but another part of just trusting yourself and the process and your partners and making it a reality. I think she said something like, how would my life be different if I was in charge? So she 
makes that flip to imagine herself in charge super powerful in so many aspects of your life if you flip your frame of reference to that. Flipping your frame of reference in the decision to quit gives you a tremendous amount of agency over your own career and ultimately your own life. And you heard it with Manoush, and I can attest to it personally, there's something invigorating about stepping off and stepping out of autopilot mode and taking things into your own hands, even if you don't ultimately know what the end goal is. Thank you for listening to Forward Thinking, brought to you by Quartz and supported by J.P. Morgan Chase. If you want to learn more about recreating your career, please visit qz.com work. And to learn more about me, your host, please visit radreads.co. This podcast was produced by Jessica Glazer and Oluwakemi Aladesui, with additional production support from N2 Communications and original score by Hannes Brown. Next episode, I talk to Mike Zapata, a former Navy SEAL and member of Team Six, who in his early 30s launched his second career as a hedge fund manager. It turns out that there was a lot from his SEAL days that he could use when building a second career in finance. They tie your hands and your legs behind your back and you have to bob up and down. Guys pass out, guys don't make it, guys quit. Your body knows it needs oxygen. And when it's lacking oxygen, your mind starts to get a little crazy. So you have to calm yourself down, you have to focus on the problem, and that gives you just a little bit more time to think through it.